A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. From the Bedlam Podcast Network, this is A Tiny Revolution, celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. My name is Kevin Garcia, and welcome to another episode. I am really excited to share this with you. This is actually... uh, kind of me workshopping a little bit. As you know, this summer I'm going to be at the Wild Goose Festival doing two different workshops, uh, one called Know Thy Selfie and another one called um, Owning Your Story and Impacting Others. And uh, this is kind of just like my preliminary thoughts on it. And I figured, why not share it with you and uh, see what you think, get some feedback from you. And it's also just something that's been like going through my mind recently when I'm thinking about online community and proximal community and all these other things. So today I'm going to be actually doing a teaching called Know Thy Selfie, authentic connection in a digital age. And I really hope that you enjoy it. I hope you get something out of it. Before that, let's uh, get some dates going. I'm going to be at the Wild Goose Festival, as I was just mentioning before. Wild Goose Festival is this crazy, awesome, fun time adventure in Hot Springs, North Carolina. It's a social justice, music, Christian conference that is really for all types of people. So whether you consider yourself a progressive, a hippie, a non-religious person, a spiritual but non-religious person, or somebody who genuinely just wants to connect with other people like yourself... Uh, I think this could be great for you. It's actually uh, in Hot Springs, North Carolina, July 13th through the 16th. Uh, Tickets have been on sale for forever, and you can get 25% off by using my discount code, BEMYGUEST, when you're checking out. You can go to wildgoosefestival.org to get all the information, and yeah, I hope to see you there. I cannot wait. Additionally, some projects that are coming up for me, I've been talking about it for the past couple weeks, and I've been taking some time off from producing weekly podcasts to get this thing ready, but I'm excited to share that my YouTube channel will be launching May 31st, that's next Wednesday by the time you hear this, and it's going to be out of control! I'm so excited, the first video that I recorded, like if you've ever heard me keynote and tell my story, it takes about 45 minutes with like all of my cussing and swearing and whatnot. And I actually told it on video in 18 minutes and then edited it down to 10 minutes, if you can believe it. Crazy, right? So that is happening. I'm going to be sharing my story on my first initial video and then probably also releasing uh, part one of how to talk about LGBTQ inclusion and the Bible, um, which I'm basing off of a lot of the resources I have from Reformation Project. I'm so excited. So if you want to, you can go ahead over to my YouTube channel and subscribe there so you don't miss out. And additionally, the other project I'm launching, uh, I finally have some new t-shirt designs. It only took me like, what, half a year? (laughs) It only took me about half a year and some collaboration, but I'm excited to share these new designs with you. We've got some really great pride design shirts coming out. They say, God is proud of me Um, in all identity specific colors. So we have uh, bisexual colors, uh, uh, the the rainbow. We have trans, uh, the trans flag colors. We have asexual colors. I've had such a fun time creating this line of t-shirts with my friend Donnie, um, whom you can connect with on social media as well. I'll, I'll include that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, it's going to be launching on Memorial Day weekend, and there's definitely going to be a Memorial Day sale. So be sure to be on my mailing list and get all that information because it's going to be dope. So I've got no other things to talk about right now. So let's go ahead and jump into our conversation. Social media, it's kind of got this double-edged sword to it, doesn't it? 
because on the one hand, I love social media. I will never be a person to knock social media. I think it's one of the greatest tools of our generation. But like anything, great tools can be uh, turned into weapons and great tools can also turn into drugs. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like any any good thing that is created. It can be distorted and used for something other than what its best potential could be. Let's talk about the good things. Social media has done a great job of connecting uh, people of different mindsets and sharing ideas across, you know, the world. It's been great for giving voices to marginalized individuals who might not otherwise have a platform to speak or create or get their ideas out there. It's been great for organizing things like protests, social movements, and everything else. Like It's like been born out of social media. That's incredible. It's also a great place for independent artists and creatives like myself to get their stuff out there. But I know that other, like on the other side of that, it's almost like the dark side of social media, if you will. I have a question that in an age where we are so deeply connected via the internet, why is it that many of us feel lonelier than ever? And why is it that we know more about internet personalities or celebrities than we do about our neighbor? I also want to say that I'm preaching to myself this entire time. I'm kind of writing this for, for me as much as anybody else. And so uh, come with me on a journey. Let's jump back into the good stuff real quick. Connection. That's one, one thing social media has been amazing for, especially for marginalized people, queer folk, women entrepreneurs, um, resistance, the dissemination of information, keeping those in power accountable, sharing ideas. I personally found my community online when I was working through my coming out process, I actually connected with so many people through the faithfully LGBT hashtag and was able to build my community before I came out as gay, which was huge for me because I needed that support and love. Some of my best friends and deepest connections honestly came through Twitter and I count them as some of my dearest friends have been to weddings of people I've met on Twitter. I've flown to the other side of the country to hang out with people I met on Twitter. For example, my friend Matthias Roberts, who the first time we talked was actually through a Twitter direct message and asked if he wanted to be my roommate at a conference. We did not know each other at all and we quickly became good good friends and speaking of matthias roberts he is launching his podcast called queerology and it launches may 30th which uh if you don't know who he is you're so silly 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 so go check him out at matthiasroberts.com also by the way matthias roberts you're looking hot these days i'm really really proud of you so uh gentlemen out there uh queer queer gentlemen out there or queer non-binary individuals who are attracted to to dudes um, go wife him up. He's he's a good looking he's a good looking dude. Anti ways. Um. So all that to say, I found some of my best friends through Twitter, and I'm very passionate about them. Obviously, yeah. I think also like independent artists and creatives like myself. Like we don't have to go through traditional means of getting our voices out there, and everyone can have a platform. Everybody has a voice, which I've said this before is problematic when things that are being said. Uh, are horrible and discouraging, which segues perfectly into what I wanted to talk about next, which is kind of our addiction um, in a way, and also how the anonymity of social media has led to people just being horrible to each other online. We see this evidenced in uh, cyberbullying, in rude comments, in long-ass, you know, direct messages from people. I know I experience a lot, like, um, I was going back through some of my old YouTube content as I was clearing it out. And I have so many people calling me a fag. 
I was like, wow. Who knew? Who knew that people could be so horrible for, to someone they don't even know? So social media, being being good in and of itself, can be used and distorted. And I think it can become sinful, honestly. And when I say sinful, I'm not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. I'm talking about a departure from how we are created to be, how we're wired, what brings life and what brings death. Um, and one of the things, like the phenomenons that has happened because of social media and because of the internet and just the fact that we are constantly being bombarded with things that want to grab our attention are these things called parasocial relationships. Um, so here's a little bit of brain science for us. So if you're ready to nerd out with me for a second. Fun fact, our brain can't tell the difference between a digital space and a real space or real faces or faces on a screen. It's just, we just see it. We know it's real. Almost as if this person is like right in front of us. Um, that's why you hear people express that they love a celebrity or an artist or an internet personality or even like a, sub- a celebrity pastor even though they don't have an actual relationship with them, which is normal. You know, you do it, I do it, we all do it. But my question, like when I became aware of what uh, parasocial relationships were, my big question to myself was, okay, well, why do I do this? You know, why do I attach myself to a celebrity, to an internet personality? Why do I have such devotion for certain musical artists? Um, And I think it's because, you know, part of it has to do with our tribal mindset, our, our way of wanting to survive. We want to associate ourselves with someone who is stronger. And if we associate ourselves with someone who is stronger, who is more beautiful, we, in in and of ourselves, feel stronger, more beautiful, more connected. And we do that. We do all this because we are social creatures who need to have an identity and have that identity affirmed within a communal setting. That's that's at the core of who we are. That's, That's the motivation there. And that's what celebrity culture kind of does for us. It provides a common shared experience in which we're able to connect with others. So, for example, think about Beyonce fans. They're called the Beehive. They're all about Beyonce. They will defend Beyonce till the day they die. And I'm a proud member of the Beehive. And anyone, anytime, especially some white dude, says, I just don't get why Beyonce, I don't think she's that talented. I often turn to them and say, nobody asked you. The music isn't for you. And I can go like, you know, and I realize that that's my tribal mindset kicking in my survival mechanism. You know, you attack one person in the tribe, you attack us all. So if you attack the head of the tribe, you attack all of us. You, does this sound familiar? You know, so let's like think about this in, in terms of what happened with Kanye West. Uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian and Taylor Swift a couple years ago when Taylor was basically blasting Kanye for that lyric he wrote about her and then Kim produced like you know producing audio evidence saying oh actually Taylor Swift said it was okay and people just like going back and forth with each other why does anybody care about that like this is like because I don't really have like any sort of deeper connection with Kim Kardashian or Taylor Swift if we really like zoom out of that and take ourselves out of it if it was not for celebrity if it was not for social media if it was not for these parasocial relationship connections that so many people have with these two individuals those are just two adults having a public spat you know what I'm saying that's just two friends having a fight over what was said or what wasn't said. And yet, because of social media, we were privy to the whole thing. And boy, do we love to win. Boy, do we love to let other people be torn down, right? It's also the same reason that like, when an artist dies, 
we get real sad and like the whole world goes into mourning even though probably only a select few people have a personal relationship with said artist so um think about like when amy winehouse died when michael jackson died when prince died um or when any large name celebrity passes the whole world goes into mourning because especially i think for musical artists because that person created a piece of art a piece of music that really impacted us and so we have this connection and this thankfulness to that artist for what they did for us even though it was maybe wasn't necessarily for us or maybe it was more for themselves or they produced it because they wanted to make a profit let's take it to the next level let's think of the trump versus hillary in the last election it's very, very similar. Tribalism and parasocial relationship. People will say that they love Trump, that they're diehard fans of Donald Trump, even though they don't know the guy. And like, if they probably knew the guy in real life, they'd probably be very turned off by him. Um, you know, I'm only speaking from what I see. Because of tri- tribal mindset, we associate ourselves with someone who's stronger, who can protect us, who will make America great again. And... Of course, like it, it makes sense. Like you know, you want somebody to affirm your identity, and you close yourself off to any information that might be contradictory to the tribal line, to the party line. Progressives and liberals, we do the same thing too. We can be just as polarized, and I know that I get get this way, but I try to be as nuanced as possible, trying to hear people out, and that takes work. It takes being aware of these parasocial relationships and these tribal mindsets in order to kind of deconstruct our own biases and, you know, ask what is true, what's actually going on. And I also think politics are a little bit different from celebrity cultural and parasocial relationships because obviously in politics that affects people's lives. Um, So it's similar, same, same, but different. You know what I'm saying? So we have these relationships, deep affections and loyalties for people that we don't know, for people we don't have a personal relationship with, and we're even willing to stake our reputations on them. And it's because we carry them around in our pockets on these nice, shiny glass rectangles that have access to the internet. And again, not necessarily wrong. But I think what happens from these parasocial relationships, a kind of natural progression, is into idolatry in many ways. When we look at people online, when we look at celebrities, or we look at even other people on social media, maybe they're not even famous, maybe it's just that one friend who posts pictures of their vacation or their beautiful family or their like fantastic looking body. When we look at them, sometimes we don't just want to be like them. And I think there's nothing wrong with following people for inspiration or even wanting to improve your own life in whatever way that looks like. There's nothing wrong with having dreams and like looking to others to say, oh my gosh, that person did it. That means I can do it. But we put people on pedestals. We look at their lives. We think that they're perfect and wonderful and beautiful And it's easy to forget that their lives are probably just as boring um, or maybe just as difficult as you or me. We make people out to be like these gods or these ideals. And when we look at our own scenarios and our own context, we ask, well, what's wrong with me? I know personally, and I've said this before, jealousy is my biggest problem. And I see someone who's like in the same lane as me, who's doing the same kind of work that I'm doing in LGBT advocacy at intersections of faith and Christianity and and sexuality and all that good stuff. And I always, I keep saying to myself, why them and not me? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Why don't people like my photos, but they'll like their photos? Why do they have more followers than me? What am I doing wrong? And we, we forget social media is a highlight reel. You mean, like, I mean, we can look at, like, think about, like, old school photo albums. You know, we don't take pictures at funerals, right? 
We don't take pictures of, of sad things. We don't often, you know, record ourselves crying and put it out there for the rest of the world to see. You know, we don't take we don't take the pictures of unlovely things. In a photo album, you see the good moments and the moments that you want to remember. And the same thing with social media. It's just more immediate. It's more daily. It's more like in your face because like we're sharing our photo albums and our highlights with the rest of the world. And we forget that behind filters and clever captions, everybody's got a personal struggle. And y'all, this is 100% me. This past week, I had a very serious conversation with someone where I ended up in tears. They ended up in tears. Um, I yelled at a guy in public at a bar. Not even joking. But am I going to like document that for the rest of the world? Well, sort of because I'm sharing with this you now for the sake of illustrating my point. But, um, you know... On the rest of social media, I'm not really going... I didn't have anybody document the fight. I didn't have anyone document my tearful conversation on the phone. That's real life. And I know that you've got real life, too, that you aren't sharing. So let's just agree to stop envying all the things we see on social media and maybe start cheering each other on for all the moments that we want to celebrate. I know that for me, like the one way I've overcome my jealousy of other people is to celebrate them is to be genuinely excited, or at least try to be genuinely excited. And if I can't be genuinely excited, I actually unfollow people. So sometimes my unfollowing isn't because I hate somebody. It's because I have made them an idol. It's because I look at them and I want their life, rather than being able to be joyful and celebrate my own. Not to mention, I think social media has totally gamified our relationships you know, it's 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 all about the stats and the points and our reach and the likes and the follows and we can like we can point to a number and say these are how many friends I have, this is how many people this is how much people like me, and we're wired that way. Our brains love to get rewarded. That's why we're addicted to our phones, to our social media, to constantly being seen because that's it, isn't it? We want to be seen. We want to be known and we want to be understood. And again, that's not a bad thing. Those are the core underlying desires, I think, of most of humanity. But when it come, when it becomes about statistics, when it becomes about our, <laughs> our analytics, it's distorted. We're, we, we, be, we have a legitimate need and we're meeting it by illegitimate means. I think additionally, a problem with social media is we surround ourselves and curate our feeds so that we only see what we want to see. And I, I do that myself. Like, I don't. Like, if someone says something problematic on social media, I don't want to get angry. I block them. I unfollow them. I mute them, if you will. And I could swear some days that, like, the entirety of my world is progressive and liberal and queer because that's who I follow. That's who I want to have conversations with. That's who I want to be inspired by. And again, nothing wrong with that. But that also has its a double-edged sword of being a bubble. And it can make one very uncomfortable when we encounter people in real life with differing opinions. I mean, that's also how the right-wing media machine works. It silos off its people, teaches them not to trust others, nor other information sources, nor other information sources. It sensationalizes everything and say, we're the only ones who can help you. I never want to be that for you, by the way. If I ever say that, just like unfollow me and tweet at me and say like, you're an idiot. Anyways. Um, but the same thing is kind of true for us in many ways. And we're guilty of it. We silo ourselves off. We put ourselves in like in, you know, our community bubbles of only hearing and only seeing what we want to see. 
But hopefully, if we can see the plank in our own eye, because we can be aware of our own biases, I'm hoping that we are more open to hearing the opinions of others, including those who we disagree with and even those who are less than kind. So it, it, this, this, this uh, phenomenon of curating our own feeds, of curating what we see and what we don't see, I think can be dangerous because it creates an echo chamber much of the time. So, for example, I'm a part of some LGBTQ Christian groups online. And one thing I notice is that sometimes it kind of turns into a pity party. And I'm not here to downplay people's problems or life experiences. But I sometimes wonder about the same person who's coming back with the same complaint. And you know that one friend in your life or that one internet cousin out there who has the same complaint, the same prayer request, the same dramatic posts all the time. And I have a question, and that is, what's really going on? What do you really need? I have a friend of mine, um, we chatted about this recently. She runs a few of her own online community groups because she's a, a writer and is like, you know, she's experienced the same thing. And that got us both thinking about the importance of having in-person proximal community. Because online, we present whatever we want. And again, I'm totally, that's totally me. I'm totally aware that I, what I put out there in content in the way of my tweets and Instagrams and Facebook posts and blogs and podcasts and blah, blah, blah. It's all curated. You know, it's me. It is my authentic self as best as I can give you, but it's still curated because you're not here to talk back to me. You know, you can engage with my work, uh, but you can't fully engage with my life. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I can follow you back and I can engage with you with what we both put out there, but I can't fully engage with your life because we're not sitting in the same room together. And again, not a bad thing. It just is what it is. Social media and online community can be great places to be inspired, share your work, share uh, your story and find community and solace. Um, and I think that's especially important for marginalized folk, especially if your local setting is not a safe place for you to be who you are. But it's not the whole picture. And I think that we need people who will see our whole picture because I honestly can't even see my own. So think of it kind of like, uh, imagine yourself, you're a painter. Um, and I think of it like, I think about myself as that way. So we're creating our life, we're painting our life, right? We're painting a picture of what God has inspired us to do. Um, and sometimes I think we are working so hard on the fine details and we get really, really up close to the painting and we get super meticulous, maybe even obsessive. And in those seasons, in those times where we obsess over one detail, one thing, one angry thing that happened to us, one injustice that happened to us, we fail to step back and see the whole thing. Or maybe we do step back, but the only thing that we can see are the flaws in our picture that we've painted. Maybe we only see the mistakes that we've made. Maybe we only see how horrible we are, the things that we wish we could have done better, and vice versa. Maybe we only see the beautiful things. Maybe we only see that, like the good things that we're putting on display because we are so unable to see our own flaws. And that's why we need other people. That's why we need other people to come to tell us what they see. When they look at the painting of our lives, when they look at, you know, the whole picture, what do they see? So if you're someone who can only see the negative, you need somebody in your life to point out the beautiful things that are happening. And if you're someone who only sees the good things about yourself, you need somebody to check your ego. I am one of those people. I have people in my life to check my ego. And if you, if you only have online community, if you only engage with online community, 
you're only putting up snapshots of, of your life, not giving the full picture because you can't. It's simply impossible. Proximal, in your face, in your life, sacramental friendship is the thing that I believe will allow for the greatest amount of growth in your life, in my life, in the world's life, to be truthful. And when I think about proximal community, there are a few things that I personally look for and try to have to make sure I can remain balanced in my life. Um, First thing, I need people who don't think I'm cool. (laughs) <laughs> and people who know that my, my shit stinks. You know what I mean? I need people who see this whole person, this whole weird, funny, sad, you know, joyful person that I cannot fully display online. You know, I need them to see the anger and the humor and the awkward and the confused. I need I need them to see all of who I am. I need them to see the whole picture so they can encourage me and I can do that for them. And that's that leads me to the next thing, sacramental friendship. Um, this is something my friend uh, Amelia and I talk about sometimes. I, I see our friendship as sacramental. I see our friendship as being Christ to one another, being the church. And that's what I think we need to look for in our communities is sacramental friendship, where we can be the church and empower others to be the church. I think it should be mutually submissive, mutually supportive, mutually self-giving and kind and loving and I think these things cannot be reserved for just marriage of being, you know, mutually submissive and mutually supportive and mutual self-giving because we don't live in a world where it's just us and our partner. And if we do that, we have a serious problem. If you're that person and you're listening to this and you're married and you only hang out with your spouse, you need you need to get out. I don't know if you're fulfilling your full, the fullness of who you could be. Um, again, I'm not married. I don't know that life. Maybe I'll change my mind when I get married. But for right now, this is how I feel. <laughs> But I think that if we do that, if we only are devoted to our partner, like we, that easily becomes its own echo chamber. We just complain to one other person about life's hardships without like actually doing anything about them. No, thank you. Now, you heard me say a second ago a thing about mutual submission, and you might hear that and automatically think we should let other people dominate us. And that's not what I think here. And I think there's been like this hijacking of the scriptures as it, as it always has been where we think that submitting to somebody means that we give them permission to walk all over us and that's not the case i think submission is about permission and so when i think about that i ask this question who do i respect enough in my life in order to defer to their life experience who has walked through it knows what they're talking about who can see my full picture and offer me wisdom and on top of that who do i give permission to tell me no who has permission to rebuke me? Who has permission to call me out on my shit? Because on, I need that. I'm the person who, like, I am so focused on the beautiful and the lovely and the kind and all the, like, the fun, good things going on in my life that I sometimes need an attitude adjustment. I need perspective. I need people to tell me no, saying, Kevin, just because you are angry and you want to write this whole big long post about how, you know, white people are terrible and how straight pastors are ruining everything, you can't do that because you're trying to be a certain kind of person. And you want, if you want that, you have to do something else. And who do you have that? I think it's so rare to give someone in your life permission to say no, but when you do, it offers you limitless growth. Without those kinds of people in my life, I am liable to let my ego just take over and do whatever it wants. So that's why we all need people like that. 
We need people in close, proximal community. We need people to see the fullness of ourselves and to help us figure it out. But how do we like find community? How do we do that? And ironically enough, social media is not a bad place to start. And I will also admit, I've got a level of privilege living in a diverse city like Atlanta. I do have real people in my life that I can just hit up and go and do and live. And not everybody has that and I acknowledge that. Um, That's why I think social media is a great place to start connecting with like-minded individuals who are going to love you for who you are, not in spite of who you are or how you think or what you believe or what you don't believe. Um, But you need to gather. That is the thing. Like It says that in the Bible, don't forsake the fellowship of the body. And I think that's because like God knows that we are wired a very certain way. So don't just settle for beautiful online friendships. Get out there. Go somewhere. Like, you know, find the money and go. And if you don't have the money, crowdfund it. Reach out to social media online because I know that there are people who will throw a couple coins your way so that you can get what you need. It's amazing what to, what you can do when you allow people the opportunity to bless you. That's what that's another thing too. We've been taught to think that it has to be all on us that we have to make it happen that we have to be super independent when really the gospel calls us into radical interdependence oh come on y'all we about to go to church right now we need to be in the same space as the people who whom we love you know i think about the first reformation project conference i went to it was my first fully affirming space and there was nothing like it there's nothing like meeting people who have shared your life experience. Nothing like meeting people that you've known online for forever. And there's nothing like crying with someone over the shared experience that you both have. Practical suggestion from me, find a conference that might work for you. Find a, gr- a gathering and go. Plan a meetup with someone. Or just DM somebody and say, hey, I'm in your city. I'd love to hang out with you. What are they going to say? No? Okay then you're off the hook. But like just going and asking and doing, you can be amazed by how many people are desperate to connect with somebody else. Personally, spaces and conferences and uh, weekends I love, Wild Goose Festival this summer, the Y Christian Conference, Reformation Project, the Gay Christian Network National Conference. And there are dozens of other things happening all over this country and in your community. So get on the Google machine. They're out there. And I here's another one that might be a little radical, Find a church in your local area and ask them the tough questions about their practices around inclusion and justice and go try them out. I mean, I love the church still, despite all the problems that it's had, and I'll probably point those out in a minute because it's how I do. But at its best, church is supposed to be that proximal community that I was talking about. Humans sharing common values and hopes, people who believe that love can heal the world and that love looks like action to better the lives of their community looking to each other and celebrating uh, with each other and mourning with each other and laughing and crying. That is what the church is meant to be, real life, in-your-face community. And if it is not providing that, what is the point of church? And I'm not talking about the pretty and the homogenized, commodified, free cup of coffee in a concert under 60 minutes kind of Sunday thing that we've created in America and in Western religion in general that people just seem that they can just reproduce in different contexts. It's become so much about numbers and it ignores the numbness that we feel. It's become about people who are coming through the doors on a Sunday and not the people that we're sending out into the community. But at its best... Churches can be everything that we just talked about. Churches can be proximal community. Churches can be the people who can see the picture of our full lives 
and speak life into it, to say no when we need a no, to say yes when we need courage. It can be all the things at its best. And I'm thankful that that's what I've got at my church. And I'm, I'm so excited we're starting to, to tackle the big questions that I've been complaining about for so long. And it's not perfect, but we know that. And you shouldn't be looking for your community to be perfect. You need to look for your community to be present. You don't need to be looking for a concert. You need to be looking for some connection. And if you don't see this in your community, if you don't see the thing that looks like what you need, start start a thing. Gather around some like-minded people. Share a meal and talk about your lives. Break bread together. Drink wine and, and pray for each other. That is the church. That is the gospel. That is good, proximal community that can spur you on towards your own greatness. Now, let me all say all these things. This all sounds like super dupy, super duper hippie, willy nilly kind of stuff. Truth, true thing. Community, at its best, is going to also cost you, because I think there's this like notion and like this like attitude in postmodern life. We have this thing that we want something, but we don't want to pay for it. That's what online community is. Online community doesn't cost us anything. Because you can unfollow people and they're not going to die. People can block me and I'm not going to die. It's it's It doesn't cost a lot. If anything, like, you know, it just saps up my time. Um, but real community, real community costs you. It costs your false self. It will cost your personal ambition. It will cost your personal convenience at times. Because if we really choose into community... We say that we aren't going to leave even if it gets tough. When we choose into community, we say that we are going to be vulnerable with what is actually going on in our lives and seek to be radically interdependent rather than wildly independent as we've been taught. When we choose into community, we give permission to people to ask the tough questions to help us grow into who we might become. And that, that might sound like something that you've come from before, where churches or spiritual communities have been abusive to you. And I'm not talking about that. You know, there are places where people overstep their boundaries. I'm talking about, I'm only giving people in my life permission to go so far. And they invite me into the same space with them where I can speak into their lives as well. It's, a, again, mutual su- mutual submission, mutual self-giving, mutual love for the other person. Not a submission to someone else without them giving me the same thing in return. Does that make sense? So don't don't confuse real community um, with uh, oppressive systems, okay? That's community. That's what I want. I love social media. I think it's great. Um, I'm going to continue to use social media, but I always want to be thinking, who is right here in front of me? Who can love me right here, right now, front and center? So that's what I want. That's what I'm seeking to cultivate, and that's what I want for you, too. I want you to be known and to know others, to give love and have love, and not to just the romantic kind, either. And it starts with finding a place and finding some space and finding someone who can love you for you. To tell you no, to see the shit of your life and say, let's make a garden. Let's grow something beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to that. That was a lot of fun for me to exercise my teaching skills a little bit um, and kind of refine some of my own thoughts. And a big thank you to my Patreon supporters out there who are helping all my creative work become possible. 
Um, Patreon is a great way for you to kind of like become a part of the creation process. Um, you can, by financially donating to this work of creating podcasts and, and blogs and videos that talk about intersections of faith, sexuality, and American culture, you are helping people find words that may not have been able to speak before, connections that they may not have otherwise, and courage to finally be themselves. So if this conversation has been good for you, if anything that I've produced has done a lick of good uh, in your life, I would honestly ask that you become a patron of this work so that I can make this my full-time gig and that I don't have to spend more time in a restaurant and that I don't have to spend more time sweating over things that I don't really want to do. This is my passion, telling stories that actually matter and celebrating our everyday victories. It's my, it's my way of resisting. It's my way of doing my part to help people live better lives despite the shitty times in which we live. So again, if this podcast has done some good for you, if the blog has done some good for you, and if the video content that's going to come out next week is going to do good for you, which I hope it does, um, consider becoming a patron through Patreon. And you can get all the information at patreon.com slash thekevingarcia. If you haven't already, you can also help by going over to the iTunes store and leaving me a rating. All you have to do is just click the little five-star button, leave a quick review, and say, Kevin is so great. A tiny revolution is so revolutionary. Um, Or whatever else is going on. Because having higher ratings, having more ratings, seriously helps with our distribution and seriously helps with getting our work in front of other people. So again, uh, go to the iTunes store, leave a rating, leave a comment. And if you want to uh, have a conversation about something you've heard in this podcast, you can actually go to thekevingarcia.com where I've posted this uh, podcast and leave some comments there. Let's have a discussion. Like, we know, social media for you, what has been going on in your life surrounding that? Do you have proximal community? How do you find your community? All that stuff. I'd love to chat more with you. So again, go to thekevingarcia.com find this post and then let's talk about it let's taco about it (laughs) get it um probably not because that joke didn't land at all (laughs) anyways you can connect with me over on social media i'm at the kevin garcia on most things and uh yeah that's all i've got for you go get your wild goose tickets uh be on the lookout for new t-shirts go subscribe to the youtube channel i think that's everything i like you that's one thing I want you to know. I like you so much. Wherever you are, if you're having a bad day, remember that I like you, okay? Um, thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Mwah. <laughs>